everybody, welcome to Lords of Order. This is episode 32. We are a Dr. Fate fan podcast. Uh, DC character, Dr. Fate, by the way. In case there's another one out there, there may be. I'm your host, Ed Moore. We are a spoiler podcast. Keep that in mind as we get ready to discuss All-Star Comics Volume 1, Issue 4, the March-April 1941 issue. So, if you're still spoiled, sorry, held out as long as I could. If you want to send feedback, you can leave comments on Facebook and Google+. Lords of Order have pages there. The Dr. Fate Fan Podcast at Gmail is the email. And BigTimeNoise.com slash Dr. Fate is the website. And that website is part of the Comic Book Noise Network, i.e. part of the Deliberate Noise Network, all administered by podcast, comic book podcast godfather, Derek Coward. Now, this particular part of All-Star Comics was written by Howard Fox. Howard? Excuse me. Gardner Fox. Howard Fox. Penciled, inked, and lettered by Howard Sherman. There's why I got confused. And this is the Dr. Fate portion of the story. Now, as happened last issue of All-Star Comics, we have bookends that start and finish our story. And then each of the heroes break off into their own aspects of the story. For this issue, Gardner Fox and Everett Hibbard do the bookends, as I believe they did last issue also. Whereas typically the creators that chronicle the exploits of the individual characters in their quote-unquote individual issues, because most of the books that are used are, I think, anthology books still at this time, but those creators come over here to All-Star Comics and write and draw their creation you know, that aspect of their character. So as we start out, if we recall, the Justice Society has been called to a meeting in Washington, D.C. by the FBI. On our cover, we have two, four, six, eight of the Society members, the Flash, Spectre, Dr. Fate, Green Lantern, Hawkman, Our Man, Sandman, and Adam, and not pictured and oddly enough, not pictured last issue either, Johnny Thunder. Now, having read through the issue, I don't see mention of any other characters as we did last issue, and there weren't any um, cameos as there was by Red Tornado last issue. This issue, that does not occur. So it's just these eight mentioned heroes and Johnny Thunder number nine, and his Thunderbolt, of course. So the story opens uh, very patriotically. Our narrator tells us that at their last meeting, the members of the Justice Society of America, and names them all, received a telegram from the FBI chief in Washington telling them they were needed as patriotic Americans to meet and confer upon a matter of vital importance to the United States. Now, that's interesting, considering that I believe neither Flash nor Dr. Fate are truly American citizens, nor are they actually human if you talk to them. The others are. So, okay. 
From every part of the nation they come, from their haunts and bypaths, speeding to the capital in answer to their country's call. This is the story of how they met and why, of what they did and how they did it, the Justice Society of America against the enemies of America. And at the bottom, we see the catchphrase for this issue, For America and Democracy. So we see the Flash running to the FBI headquarters, uh, Dr. Fate leaving his tower uh, in Salem, Our Man, we see Sandman and Adam approaching together, Hawkman flying in, and then last but not least, the Green Lantern and Spectre arrive together. They all meet before the head of the uh, FBI, and the next page is probably the most verbiage-heavy page I believe I have ever seen in a comic book. Probably there's uh, seven panels, three, a, a row of three, a row of three, and then one whole panel in the bottom third of the page. And the uh, six panels above it, probably uh, 75 to 80% of those panels total are word balloons, uh, the, the most text I have ever seen. And basically what happens is the FBI chief gives some gives a little background about the areas of concern. Our loyal newspapers are threatened. Um, colleges are threatened. Bombs are going off in our munition plants. You know, he just gives little snippets that will turn into missions for each of the Justice Society members. Finally, we finish up with the Justice Society heading off on their individual missions as we see the the last group shot until the end of the story. The Flash is exclaiming for America, Justice Society members, for America and democracy, which again is the the buzzwords. So the story opens with the Flash first. And we see uh, that he's heading to uh, manufacturing plants in Michigan and Wisconsin because the propaganda groups of uh, that, that are at the very least sponsored by foreign peoples, if not foreign peoples actually doing it, uh, subversives, shall we say, are trying to cause work stoppages in our manufacturing plants. And most of the thrust of this with members interspersed throughout are the gray shirts who are found to be working under the leadership of one Fritz Claver. He is located, ultimately we find out, in Toledo, Ohio. That is his base. Why Toledo? I'm not sure. But uh, the Flash in trying to prevent work stoppages at these manufacturing plants in Michigan and Wisconsin, finds the source of the propaganda materials that are being used to uh, subversively, shall we say, unionize these plants to be coming from a boat called Liberty, oddly enough, Liberty. That is where the propaganda originates, and he, he 
stops the flow via the destroying of the ship. Next up, we have Green Lantern, who, along with his uh, paramour, Irene Miller, are investigating issues concerning radio transmissions. The radio transmissions are either being interrupted or the receivers that are supposed to be receiving our radio transmissions are not receiving. One or the other. Can't really tell uh, what it is. But in the course of the investigation, Irene, of course, ends up getting captured and taken aboard and held captive on a giant uh, dirigible. And also on that dirigible is the machine that is jamming the radio frequencies and and messing up reception. Radio being paramount to communication throughout the country for the just for the good of the country, but also any operatives uh, in official capacity that may be operating. So radio is is particularly important. Uh, This is controlled by an underling of Claver who goes by the moniker the Baron. Ultimately. Green Lantern kills the Baron, um, destroys the dirigible, and saves Irene, of course. Next up, we have the Spectre, who goes to Pittsburgh to investigate munitions factories that are being sabotaged. Now, there, uh, he finds a group called the Fifth Columnist, who is working to sabotage the manufacture of gun barrels in Pittsburgh. Uh, The person at first who is doing, initially doing the sabotaging, uh, escapes the specter, but is ultimately killed by his fellow fifth columnist members. The specter ultimately discovers the larger picture and derails it. Uh, They were going to because they were stopped in just sabotaging the guns, they were going to blow up the this particular factory that was making the guns. And also in that mayhem, uh, steal the plans for what was being manufactured, turn those plans over to the foreign agents uh, and destroy our factory. So ultimately, not only would we not be able to make them, but our foreign enemies would be able to make the guns. The Spectre defeats them, ultimately, having had to travel into this other kind of psychedelic occult world to do some stuff, and then comes back over to uh, our uh, dimension, I guess you could say, and using a ring of life, he subdues the people being controlled by the foreign agents. Next is our, our man. He goes to Oklahoma. And he's looking for a Captain Erdner, who has been running around dynamiting oil wells. Um, Rex gets a job on a particular well where recently guards have been murdered, assuming that because new guards are in place, this will probably be the next place that's attacked. And finds that there are gray shirts uh, much in control here, And so he ultimately defeats the gray shirts who are commanding Captain Erdner in blowing up the wells. So uh, our man manages to go a step up the ladder and take out some more of these gray shirts. The gray shirts so far have been popping up in some capacity in every hero's uh, 
mission. All right, next is Dr. Fate's mission, which involves sabotaging of naval yards up and down the Atlantic seaboard that have been occurring. So, as he's there, he uh, releases a black cloud, a cloud of darkness, that he commands to search for the evil that men do against America. Shine forth when a, with a bright light when you have found it. And so this cloud uh, flies over the this particular town, over the different portions of the um, naval yards, until it stops over one particular ship and starts to glow, letting Dr. Fate know that this is indeed a place, at least, where something is going on. And what is occurring on this ship that is off the coast slightly is that they are using a pneumatic... A device to fire shells on the shipyards. And so there's not really any evidence because they're off the coast and they're using a pneumatic device, so there is no smoke or thunder or you know anything like that. Just a bomb drops and, and blows something up. Dr. Fate intercepts the shell, blows it up before it can do its, its dirty work. He calls it... Um, a rebuilt trench mortar is what they're operating. So he destroys the device on the ship next and then lets the ship go to see where it's going to go. So the ship travels farther off coast to avoid detection and while out there radios intelligence and orders to land-bound agents attached to the ship. Dr. Fate uses some of his whammy-jammy and intercepts the radio signals, finds out what's going on. He goes to the ship and confronts some of the gray shirts. Taking the ship and uh, he... It looks like he drags the ship beneath the ocean, and maybe he does, but he also exposes to ship the ship to all kinds of evil creatures and and weirdness that the agents are able to see out of the portholes of the ship. And he tells them that if they don't tell him what's going on, if they don't tell him what they know, he won't be able to save them from these other things. So out of fear, they tell him what's going on, you know, the overall plan. And then he uses the radio against the men uh, he tells the operator to call all agents within uh, sound of the radio. You know, all the agents that are, I guess, in in essence, controlled by this this one particular radio, to all convene at the docks at the ship that the radio is coming from. But basically, calls in all foreign agents into this as. A small an area, as close an area as, as they can. He then uh, alerts the FBI via another one of his clouds. He sends it to Washington, to the FBI, with the message, and then the cloud speaks the message. Members of the FBI come to the New England coast. The spy roundup promised you has begun. So the agents uh, go gather more agents, you know, as as they 
make the trip. They finally all arrive, and in the end, Dr. Fate uses his um, psi powers to extract information from the leaders representing the gray shirts, and he finds out about Claver, finds out where he is, and sets off after having turned all the foreign agents over to the FBI. He sets off to Toledo. And on the way, he contacts our man and lets him know what's going on, and then catches up with the Flash, who turns out is already heading to Toledo, and they have a little fun um, having a race to Toledo. So, uh, next up is the Sandman story. Uh, he is in El Paso working for a newspaper whose editor has been receiving threats because he is publishing pro-American, pro-democracy, and anti-subversive articles, uh, articles against dictator nations. Now, in 1941, right, 40, 41, let me look, 41, the dictator nations would be, uh, I think, Japan, I think Germany, and perhaps Italy. I'm not sure if Italy is a dictator yet, but they soon will be, if not. So, and and Russia? Is Russia a dictator at this time? I'm not sure, but they're not our... They're not the evil axis of uh, World War II, so we won't we won't worry about them. But I, I think most certainly this is directed at Germany and Germans is is where this is is heading. So back to Sandman, he is at a newspaper trying to help the the newspaper trying to help the editor out, and he uh, he gets there and um, with without actually a whole whole lot going on, he uncovers the plot as being led by gray shirts and and dispatches it a little less cool for sandman he doesn't quite have the coolness of say dr fate or specter or some of these other guys we next cut to johnny thunder who is going to a birthday party in the company of daisy darling and uh, there are reports of a lot of jewel heists going on in the area. They think that it's safe to go to the social function, but alas, they find that it's not. And ultimately, Daisy, her jewels are stolen. Daisy gets kind of waylaid, and Johnny Thunder has to save her using his thunderbolt, defeating somebody named Mogi, M-O-G-I, Mogi the Marvelous. Now, ultimately, though, Johnny Thunder gets captured by these gray shirts. So that finishes all the individual stories. We next see that they have uh, come together, the, the members of the Justice Society. They're converging on the house of Fritz Claver, and as they do so, d- different individuals of the Justice Society defeat gray shirts in different manners, using powers and, and whatnot. The final uh, win is Dr. Fate, because 
Claver has rigged the entire house to explode. And now he has the entire Justice Society there and all of the information pertaining to what he and the Gray Shirts have been doing on American soil. So if he blows up a house, his house, all of this will go up with it. Well, Dr. Fate says no, and using his magic, he prevents the house from exploding. Has a nice little soliloquy here about uh, democracy and uh, America will never stand for dictators and regimented civilization. Dr. Fate not really being human, it's interesting to see. And then we have uh, individual thoughts thrown in by our man, Hawkman, Green Lantern, and Flash. And finally, Johnny Thunder. Using his Thunderbolt, Johnny transports the entire house to Washington, D.C. Sets it down for the FBI to... Turns it over to the FBI with everyone inside. And at the end of the issue here, we see the... Uh, the, the pronouncement, I guess, by the FBI director addressing 24689, everybody including Johnny Thunder this time. He addresses them saying, gentlemen, I just want to say that you've carried out your assignments perfectly. Your cooperation shows the true American spirit. I'm sure that same spirit exists among all Americans. And with it, we as a nation have nothing to fear from anything or anyone. And the Flash speaks up on behalf of the Justice Society and concurs, saying, You're right, Chief. We did our duty for America and democracy, and any other American, given the opportunity, would do the same thing. All right, some more thank yous going out to Kevin Hastings, Ryan Flake, uh, Shilka Shilon, Chris Ivey, Martin Chiarelli and Harold Jones, all of whom liked the Lords of Fate Facebook page. Next time out, we will be moving to More Fun Comics issue 64 for our next Dr. Fate adventure in our chronological tromp through the DC Universe as it applies to Dr. Fate. See you guys then. Ciao. Lords of Order is a Teal production, and as such is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, non-derivative 3.0 unported license. 